0: This morning we're going to read a lot of scripture and, um, and kind of start seeing a pattern, noticing a pattern, how worship, faith, obedience, these things are tied to um, our biggest breakthroughs, okay? And so in part one we talked about uh, get set, which is our mindset, okay? We said, we first, like, yes, the country's heading into a recession, some are already in it, some are already stressed out about it, you know, but the first thing we said is our mindset. We need to know, in our heart, that we have the option to not participate in this recession. Okay? We have the option to not participate in this recession, and so I'm opting out, I'm not in it, I'm not participating, you know, and... Um, and when we realize it is that uh, we have the, the permission to actually expect prosperity instead. And so all, all the stories and and and, and references that, that we have been studying in the last few weeks, you know, is continually reminding us and showing us how God operates in the middle of crisis, storms, recessions, and things of that nature in actually our opportunities for us to prosper in the midst of it And not just for our own self-gratification, but for the purpose of being light and salt, right? And being a testimony to people, right? Because the darker it gets out there, you know, the the brighter the light shines. You know, like if you pull out your phone flashlight in the middle of the day, it's hard to even notice it, right? But in the night, it's very bright, And so it's an opportunity that as the world gets darker and things get tougher and situations get harder on people, that we remain shining bright to be a testimony to the glory of God. Okay? And so the purpose of it is not just like, hey, here's my opportunity. You know, I've always wanted to be rich. No. The purpose of it is to build the kingdom, to step into the Kairos moments and opportunities that God is creating for us and to be ready. And so we talked, first part was the mindset, okay? And so the mindset, you know, reminds you that you're not of this world, even though you're in this world, you're an ambassador for Christ, you're a citizen of heaven, and we understand how that works, okay? And I can't teach the whole thing again, but that was number one. Like, I will thrive when the world's trying to just, what? Right? I will thrive when the world's just trying to survive. And it doesn't matter your circumstances, doesn't matter what, what the company say, what, what your clients say, what the job says, like it doesn't matter. Our trust is in the Lord, okay, not in us. Not in our circumstance, not in our job, not in our company, not in our business. Okay, number two, we said on your marks, okay, which was about positioning ourselves. And positioning is very important, right? If you're not in the right position when you're, you know, gonna start the race, then you're at at a disadvantage. And we talked about meekness, and we said meekness is voluntarily restraining our strength or 100% of our resources. It's not a poverty mentality. It's not like, oh, we're not going to spend. We're not going to do anything. We're going to, you know, go on a wild diet in order to not spend money. No, it's not that, okay? It's not that. It's just, it's about being a good steward and choosing to restrain yourself from spending extra so that you have extra cash. Because we said that, we showed the Bible told tells us that the meek will inherit the earth right and it is in tough times you know if we're talking about literally practically it's in recession times when you know repossessions and things happen and the meek the ones that had the extra cash are able to buy things assets and other goods for pennies on the dollar right but it only happens if you had extra cash so Preparing ourselves has to do with being meek and restraining ourselves. And we also showed the cycle of, you know, what not being meek looks like, which is, you know, when you're not meek with your finances, then you have to, you know, exchange more time for more money. And then you also start going in debt relationally in your marriage with your children. Now you owe them time and that starts bringing stress. And stress causes sickness and disease to come into your body. And then you need more time to heal and more money to get well. And so we don't want to be in that cycle. We want to be in God's cycle, right? And that's why he said, blessed are the meek. There's a blessing to those that restrain their strength. Yes, you used to have this lifestyle. Well, guess what? You don't have to have that lifestyle. You can be meek, you know, and spend less than you make. Live below your means because things have changed and there will be a blessing later. Okay? We don't have to. Keep up with the Jones, okay? You don't have to. You don't have to have the newest iPhone. You don't have to have the newest car. You don't have to have the newest house or the biggest house. You don't have to look like anything in order to feel good or be anything, okay? So if your, you know, previous financial situation allows you to go on, you know, 10 vacations a year, well, you don't have to go into debt now and spend all your savings to keep up the 10 vacations a year. You can go on two and still survive and be meek. You're with me? Okay? If you used to get a new outfit every week and right now, you know, you're learning about meekness, well, you don't have to get a new outfit every week. I know I'm stepping on some (laughs) dangerous territory here. You know? But where can you be meek? And I hope that that was a revelation that you got last week and that you already worked out this week, you know, and realize where in my life can I show meekness? Not because I don't have it, not because I'm poor, not because, but because I'm choosing to voluntarily restrain my resources in order to position myself for a great transfer of wealth so that I can be ready for a Kairos moment. Are you with me? telling you, for those that are into real estate, 12 to 18 months is going to be a great time to be looking, to be buying, to be saying, all right, Lord. And let me tell you, it's not just all about real estate, you know? Um, I'll get ahead of myself, but um, <clears throat> meekness positions me to inherit the land and prosper in peace without what? Sorrow. Okay. So that was last week's meekness positions me to inherit the land and prosper in peace without sorrow. Do You remember the name of this series? Recession proof, right? Recession proof. We're recession proof. Not just recession proof. We actually thrive. We're advancing. We're prospering. This is our time. This is our opportunity. But it doesn't come to all believers. It comes to practicing believers. Okay. Sorry. It doesn't come to all believers. It comes to practicing believers. It comes to those that are positioned and that are ready. Okay? And so let's get ready. That's why we first started with our mind and our heart. Then we we do our finances and our time. Okay? And so uh, today we're talking about um, go. Get set on your marks. Go. Okay? So today is about listening and obeying. Today is about what are the actions, okay, that I need to be ready for? And so we're going to read, um, and starting in Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to go to verse 12, and, and we'll be, you know, you can highlight, you can make note of these scriptures and uh, see what the Lord's showing you, because these are all pictures of what we do in our heart now, okay, and some of these, you know, the Lord might tell you to actually do, but Uh, In chapter 26 and in verse 12, it says, When Isaac planted his crops that year. Okay, so let me tell you what year that was. That was a year of famine, okay? If you read the the verses before, and we actually started on this one on the first part. um, Isaac sowed in time of famine. It was a year of famine in the land. Great famine. And you remember that the Lord gave him those three three instructions, you know, and actually told him uh, to... says, verse 1, a severe famine struck the land as had happened before. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. And the Lord appeared to Isaac, said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Okay, so this is very important because, uh, again, he was being positioned. He was following the structures of the Lord, okay, and and the Lord had told him he was going to bless him. And so when we get to verse 12, now is the verse of action, because what the world does most of the time, when when famine comes or a recession comes, is like they stop the flow and they stop giving and they start hoarding and withholding. Okay, that's that's the world's way of doing it, and it's not that's not being meek. Okay, it's a mentality. Okay, being meek is when you plan, you know, to withhold your. Uh, Uh, Some of your resources for a later purpose, okay, but what the world does is out of fear Not out of preparing and positioning yourself for something great But out of fear they become completely selfish uh, greedy and uh, And they stop sowing, okay, so what happened here in verse 12 it says that Isaac planted, and during this time of famine, he planted his crops that year, and he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. And I want to point out the fact that he actually had grain to plant, when in the famine times, a lot of people don't even have grain to plant. So the Lord had blessed him, and he had grain to plant, and he planted in the year of famine... When probably a lot of people weren't planting, a lot of people were reacting out of fear, withholding, right? Uh, But the very thing that, you know, the Bible tells us in uh, Genesis 8 is that there, um, Genesis 8.22, it says that uh, while the earth remains, seed time harvest, hot and cold, winter, summer, all those things will not cease. So that's the principle there of sowing and reaping. And so Isaac followed this and he planted even in the time of famine and because the lord had blessed them he reaped and he harvested a hundred times more a hundredfold that same year now that's pretty amazing right that same year that means in the midst of everybody suffering in the midst in the midst of everybody trying to survive he planted and he harvested a hundred times more isn't that amazing you know why it's amazing? Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And these promises and his word is as true for Isaac as it is for you today. Oh man, you should be a little more excited about that. <laughs> in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. And then, if we continue reading, it says, verse 13, he became very rich, a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. Imagine having, like, come on, there's one excited here about that. Like, like, that's for you. Like, do I need to say, thus say is the Lord, and then read this and tell you by name, each of you? Like, do you not know that this book was written for you? These are your promises. But they're on the Old Testament. Yeah, you know, like the blessing of Abraham is for us as well. Is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Jesus, and me. And you. In Christ Jesus, we've been grafted into the family and we've received the same inheritance. Okay, the same access for it. And even better, because it's without the curse. Because we were, see, okay, I won't get into that actually. In uh, Psalm 37:19 says, "They will not be disgraced in hard times. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied." Or also says, "Even in famine, they will have more than enough." Psalm 37:19. Even in famine, I will have more than enough. Okay, close your eyes. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. Say, "Even in times of famine, I will have more than enough." Even in times of famine, even in the middle of recession, I will have more than enough. More than enough. 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 10, right? It's telling us like the will of God is that we may abound for every good work. That is more than enough. But during recession, most people are worried if they're even going to have enough for themselves. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that. We're actually going to be the ones collecting. See, in in this part right here in verse 13 where he says that, you know, he continued to grow in wealth. And then verse 14, he acquired flocks and sheep. It sounds just as the time when Joseph, which we read last week, Joseph was collecting everything from the land of Egypt because he had followed the meekness plan. And now everybody was exchanging everything for the grain for food, Right? And it sounds like he, he, you know, he found himself in the same situation. It's like he had a hundred times more. So people were probably coming and exchanging flocks and sheep and goats and servants and everything for the harvest that he had. And this is, again, not in the Bible. This is my imagination is what I'm speculating because it's kind of like the same story as, as it happened before. So I want to clarify that. Okay. So you never stop sowing. Say it with me. You never stop sowing. Okay. Because that principle continues to work in famine and out of famine. Like, it doesn't matter when it is. Like, we don't stop sowing. Exodus, let's go to uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 12. We're going to start in uh, verse 34. Okay. This is, um, we also read part of this when we first um, started this series, right? And we talked about how the blood of Jesus protected them. And that's when the Passover started, and and they did not suffer any of the plagues, right? There was always distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Going through all ten plagues, the uh, Israelites were never affected by the plagues, right? They were protected from all the craziness, the storms, the famine, the the... All the sorrow and everything, they were protected from it. It didn't affect them. It only affected the Egyptians, right? And on the last one, they put the blood of the lamb on the door, and then the curse passed over, and it did not touch them, okay? And so what happens here is that the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably. So if we go to verse 34, uh, chapter 12, verse 34, and we're going to read through 36. It says, the Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. So what was happening here is it was time to go. Like finally, you know, the Egyptians were like, all right, they need to go or we're all going to die. So they finally let him go. And it's like, you know, they rushed all the Israelites and they're like, let's get out of here. And that's what they're doing. They're packing their stuff, you know, and they carry it on their shoulders. Verse 35 It says, and the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. They left Egypt wealthy. See, the Lord gave him instructions, right? And it was not, you know, to violently attack their homes. It was not to, you know, it was go and ask the Egyptians for whatever you want. So sort her of like, hey, sir, we're on our way out, you know. We've been here for 400 years slaving, and uh, so today we're leaving town. And I would just want to ask for that really nice robe that, you know, I just and that pearl necklace and then oh can i have that china too you know it's like we're on our way out and i just you know what else you want oh you know i really like their donkey all ah, right get their donkey you know and everything they asked is that they, they stripped the egyptians of their wealth let me say this is a wealth transfer this is a wealth transfer and it happened when they followed the directions of the lord they were protected by obeying the directions of the lord right and now they didn't have to fight. They just knocked on the door. They, they asked. It's like, how much can you take? All right, yeah. And uh, you know that safe you have in the back. Can you open that for me? Well, see, is, there, is there anything you like in there, honey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys, this is a crazy wealth transfer. And wanted it to happen, it happened when they obeyed the Lord. And is, he, he gave them favor. See, the favor of the Lord makes things feel easy. I want to be careful when I say easy because it offends people sometimes because because some people have worked really, really hard for what they have and what they've earned. And you know what? That's that's good and that's okay. But most of that, you earned it. How much of that did God give you with favor? And so... When you, when you know that everything you have has been a blessing of the Lord, you, you take no pride in saying, oh, I earned this. That was not easy. That was really, really hard. I warned you that some people might, might feel a little offended by this statement, but, but this is what happened. Like the Isra- I want you to see this. The Israelites had nothing to brag about here. The Israelites had nothing to brag about. They just obeyed the Lord, and they knocked on the doors, and the Lord caused the Egyptians to see them with favor and to give them all their wealth. That's a wealth transfer. That's not even a battle. And so when the Lord is leading us with his favor, we can expect that it will not cost us because... You remember how we read scripture last week and it said, you know, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it in Proverbs, right? Adds no sorrow with it, it means we don't have to lose our lives, our family, our marriages, our relationships. We don't have to lose our health over it because the Lord wants to give it to us. A lot of times we are impatient and we want to do things our way and we don't learn the ways of God. And then we add sorrow to the, what we think it's a blessing. And I'm not against working hard. I'm not against school. Please don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. We need to work hard. But, but you know that you can work hard and live in rest at the same time. And you can also do nothing and be stressed out all the time. Because rest is the position of the heart. Rest has to do with our thoughts and our minds. Rest has to do if we're abiding in love and in faith or we're abiding in fear and in stress and foreboding. Are you with me? Okay, and so the Egyptians look favorably over the Israelites because the Lord caused that favor. Okay, I want the Lord to cause that favor in my life. You know, I I see this. I I see us not, not receiving one building, but many buildings you know and and i also see like the favor of the lord like many times i'll I'll look at a you know a building or something and and it's just like man it feels like we could make it happen where we would strive so much we would strive so hard we would it would be so stressful you know to make that happen and that's when you know you're like "Mm, if it was god he would lead us with favor And so I don't want to cause an Ishmael in our lives or in my life, right, by skipping ahead and trying to make something happen on my own. And so I want to wait for the Lord to say, go do this, because this is where I'm blessing. A lot of times we want the Lord to bless what we're doing, but I think I'd rather be doing what the Lord is blessing. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Lord, what are you doing? And, and it takes patience because many times we want it now. We want to know now. What the Lord is calling us. Remember, everything that God wants to do for us is an invitation to know him closer. is an invitation to an encounter. You have never known God as a God that causes this type of favor that, 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 that gives you a wealth transfer, you know, that causes an inheritance for two generations. Like maybe you've never known God that way. And to know God that way, to encounter God as that God, you know, the same thing that he did for for the Israelites, the same thing he did for Isaac, that he will do the same thing for you, for that it takes coming close to him and having a close relationship with him and say, okay, God, how do you want to do this? Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's go ahead. Um, Are you getting the picture? Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 10 and we'll read through 13, okay? It says the Lord your God will soon bring you into a land into the land that he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large prosperous cities that you did not build, okay? Cities you didn't build. Um Verse 11, the houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. Okay. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land. Be careful. Verse 12. Say with me, be careful. Okay. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. Okay, so again, if you see a pattern is that when God does something, he does it all the way. He's now giving you cities you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, right, resources that you did not directly work for. How many of you like that? I know some might be uncomfortable with that because you're used to just working for and earning everything in your life, okay? Okay. But this is the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. And if you don't expect it, you just won't receive it. So don't worry about it. I need to learn to be comfortable with cities I didn't build and eating from vineyards I didn't plant. And the the picture that a lot of people get is laziness. I'm like, great, I don't have to do anything. That's not what we're saying again. That is not what the Lord is saying here. This has to do with faith and obedience. And it takes trust. And it takes patience. But overall, the point is that it takes a relationship with God that is close enough for you to hear the whispers of his instructions for you. Many people just want it like a jackpot. ching ching God, yeah. It's not that way. He's not a machine, he's a person, he's a father. He wants a relationship. You can't separate the blessing from the one that blesses you. Otherwise, you just have religion. And you're operating under that just I just want the instructions. Just tell me what to do. Where do I? Do I just buy Bitcoin? Do I buy Bitcoin? Okay, great. Thanks. I'll buy Bitcoin. It's like God's like, you have time for coffee? <laughs> So the picture of grace is clear here in the Old Testament. If you notice, this is grace. Things you didn't work for, things you didn't build, things you didn't plant, and you're enjoying it. That's where God wants to bring you. That's the place of the promised land. That's the place where you, where you rest in him, and your activity is out of a place of rest. is out of a place of trust. It's out of a place of faith, not fear. Okay. So we sow by faith. And listen, when we when we do that, we cause the spiritual realm to manifest. Because here's what's happening here is that you're seeing you're seeing results, but it says like cities you didn't build. Okay, when we sow spiritually, okay, it causes for things physically to manifest. In other words, uh, a lot of times we think that we're going to receive a harvest right out of the same place where we where we planted the seed. Okay, and that's the difference between Old Testament, New Testament. New Testament, we're, we're in, in, a, in a spiritual place, okay? And so when I give my tithe and offering, I am starting off a spiritual cycle that is going to bring into my life a harvest, but I don't know from where. It could be an opportunity, an investment, uh an inheritance, it could be a job, it could be favor here, it could be different things. And a lot of times we expect that we're going to harvest it right out of the same place where we planted it. And that's not the case. Because now we're sowing by faith, okay, and we're trusting God that that spiritual seed that we can no longer see, that that tie, that offering, that seed that we Uh, separate ourselves from is now going to produce a result and we're believing it's going to come from somewhere, but we don't know where. And so it takes faith. So that's why many times we will sow somewhere and reap somewhere else. I'm I'm going to give you a a very quick example. Um, As a church, we have an outreach in the food bank, right? And it's grown amazingly and, uh, man, Ronnie, Margarita are doing an amazing job. We, we now uh, give uh, food boxes to about 100 families a week, okay? That's amazing. Now, a lot of churches could expect that from those people, they're going to grow their church, and they're going to have a direct result from the people that come to help there. Those are the people where we're going to harvest and grow the church from, We've never had that expectation. Neither would we try to have that expectation. Because we know that the seeds we sow are spiritual. So we're sowing into people. We're sowing into the community. Okay, Where the harvest of souls is going to come from is it's not our job. Do you understand? So then we can sow with no strings attached. Are you following me? <clears throat> In Joshua chapter 24... In verse eleven, you know it—it's it, it, again. And I just want—I want you to see how this happens from generation to generation. It's falling all the way to us, okay? And so in uh, Joshua twenty-four and in verse eleven, um, we're going to go eleven through fourteen. I gotta hurry up. It says, When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, the Hittites, Gergeshites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I gave you victory over them. Okay? So, who gave us victory? The Lord gives us victory. It says, I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. It is not our hard work that brings us victory. Okay? We're just cooperating with him. We're doing our part. We do the natural. He does the supernatural. Okay? Because if we don't collaborate with him, then we're stuck to just the natural. Just what we can do. And it says, um, verse 13, I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build. The towns where you are now living, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped to when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. And if you see, again, what's happening is that the Lord does the heavy lifting. They just obey the instructions and they meet supernatural results. Okay? They meet supernatural results. They meet supernatural favor because they just trusted and obeyed the Lord. And the thing that the Lord keeps saying and repeating is like, just don't forget about me. Just continue to serve me. Just don't forget about me. He wants to be number one in our lives. There's there's no question about that. That's the one thing he wants is to be number one in our hearts. So will he find hearts that honor him and put him as number one, as a number one voice, as a number one influence, as a number one relationship in their lives where he can trust the abundance of wealth and finances and resources and favor? Will he find that in your heart? Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Added unto you. Not subtracted, added. When you seek the kingdom of God first, which is his word, which is people, which is you know, his house, himself. When you seek him first, then he adds, say with me, not subtract. He doesn't subtract. And that's the problem a lot of people think when they serve a church, when they give to church, they feel like it's being subtracted from their lives. But Matthew 6.33 says different. It says when you're seeking his kingdom, when you're going about the father's business, when you're doing the things that are important to him and you're seeking him, then he adds unto you. He adds everything unto you. Resources, finances, redeemed time, blessing in relationships. He adds unto you. He's a God that adds unto you. He wants to lead you with favor. He's not the God that subtracts. He's the God that multiplies. So, um... And it says in, uh, well, we know Second Corinthians 5.22, he made him who knew no sin, he, be, he, he became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So Matthew 6.33 says, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Because here's the thing that qualifies you, is his righteousness, okay? In the Old Testament, you might have thought, like, you know, they really had to do right because there was also a set of curses. Well, we're not under the curse anymore. And that doesn't apply to us. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because by faith we've been made righteous. So that qualifies you for God's promises. That qualifies you, you know, to receive his righteousness. To receive uh, everything added unto you because you are his righteousness. See, a lot of times we feel um, inadequate. Or like, that's just for people that are really, really good. And, and let me tell you, it's not. It's for you because if you believe in Jesus, you've been made the righteousness of God. So you qualify as much as I do and as much as a person that just received Jesus today in their heart. His promises are yes and amen for us. That's why it says Matthew 6.33, He said, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Because his righteousness is, is by faith. The righteous qualified, but you're the righteous because you put your faith in him. So don't disqualify yourself anymore, okay? Don't think like, oh, I can only seek God, but I, you know, I have no righteousness. It's in his righteousness, through his righteousness that that you are made qualified to receive the blessing, to be added unto you, you know, all these things, you qualify for the wealth transfer like you're worthy because he made you worthy because you put your faith in him. OK, and so, um, you know, for 10 years, I think it was like 2008 to 2018. Um, I used to have like, I don't know, probably four different jobs all the time. You know, I had like just doing whatever you need to do. To survive you're doing whatever you need to do you know to support the family you know our family was growing and and, and all this stuff and so um, I, I told you guys like when I was I think 13 years old it's when I learned how to tithe and from that moment on my income has always increased regardless of my career or my jobs and I always said this and you guys know and I'm not that smart it's the blessing of the Lord That makes one rich and has no sorrow to it. And when I say I'm rich, I lack nothing. You know, I might not have millions in the bank yet, but I lack nothing. I lack no good thing. I I I have my wants, my desires, my needs, and more than enough to be a blessing to others. And that is the will of God for all of us. Okay. And again, I can't brag of myself because it's like the like like the Israelites in Egypt, it was the favor of the Lord you know, that was on, that was given to them and they just were positioned and obeyed and believed and received the wealth transfers. There's nothing to brag about me. It's, it's God's goodness. Okay. And so our life is a testimony of what happens when you believe God and when you just follow his simple principles and his simple instructions. And so in 2008, you know, one of the things I started doing is I started to buy and sell cars. You know, I didn't know anything about cars. i you know, I didn't know anything about finance or investment or anything like that. I just knew we needed extra income. And the Lord presented the opportunity, and I, I bought a car and fixed it up, and I sold it, and I made, you know, I made a profit. And for those 10 years, that was a large part of of income. It, you know, it was supplemented with all the other full-time jobs I had, and um, and then it, um, you know, it, it would provide enough money for us to go on vacations and, and and different things. Like it was very, let me say this again. Don't get mad at me. It was very easy. It was very easy. Like it was the favor of God. People around me didn't understand how, how I found these cars. How do you do this? You know, how do you do this? And so years later now I understand, Oh, it was the favor of God. You know, like he was blessing that. And I just stepped into doing what he was blessing. And so for, for 10 years, like, that was a, a big income, you know, for us, you know, buying and selling vehicles and, and doing that kind of stuff. And so that was a God idea. That was a, a creative idea f- from God. And where I'm going to is that in times of famine, okay, in times of recession, there's opportunities that maybe weren't there before, And only if we pay attention and listen to the voice of our Father, our Creator, the one that knows all things, we will receive divine revelation from Him to know which is the idea and the thing that He's blessing and He's giving us a secret and a mystery to tap into. And that will be the source of wealth transfer to you. Because it might not be real estate, you know, but maybe it's something else. I want to be of the ones that prosper during the times of recession. Because you know, I told you this, there's always people becoming millionaires while the rest of the world is suffering in a recession. There's a wealth transfer. We saw that in the Bible. It happened with Joseph, you know, in, in Egypt and all the grain. There was a wealth transfer. We see that, you know, when they left Egypt. We see that, you know, when they took Jericho. We see that all over and over in the Bible, the Lord is trying to get resources to us. And trust us with those things to build his kingdom. So will we be positioned and ready and have the right mindset and the right position to say, okay, Lord, where where are you saying this? And I hear crazy ideas all the time. I have a friend who started a lemonade stand, sold it as a hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars years later as a franchise, a lemonade stand. Like, like when I, he first told me, I was like, no, for real, what do you do? I love him. He's a great friend, right? Uh, I have another, uh, there's a guy, okay, there's a guy, I've seen this, this uh, pop up on social media many, many times, and I just wonder how successful he is, because he's spending a l- all this money in marketing. He, he is this idea that he started uh, writing personalized songs. How many of you guys have seen it? Like, it's like, God, you know, have any other gift for your wife? Well, buy her a personalized song. I'm like, who would have ever thought, like, this would be a thing, like, so if you can sing and you have a guitar, you know, and it's like, but that idea is not for everybody, right? <laughs> like, what are the ideas that, that God has in store? Because you know that heaven has storehouses. I need another hour. Heaven has storehouses with the solutions To the problems that the whole world has. But only those that are seeking His face and listening to His voice are gonna get those mysteries. Because God doesn't hide things from us to keep them from us, He hides things for us so that we could seek them. Because they're way too valuable. Do you know the guy that uh, invented UV light that kills germs? You know that he got that idea from God? He got that idea from God. He, he, he was like, he got this frequency. The Lord gave him a number. And then he went and asked his teacher, hey, can we dial light into a certain frequency? And he's like, yeah. He showed him how to do it. And then he observed uh, germs under a microscope uh, alive and then put him under this frequency of light, which is what we know as UV light. And then after going through it, they were dead. It's an idea that came from God. When you when you spend time with him in the secret place, he will reveal the mysteries to you that you need for the idea for the next season. I'm gonna tell you one last one. I'm gonna tell you one one last one. Okay, um, I um, man, I really need more time. So I'll make this really quick. Cause I I know our children are ready and everything, but, um, I, I've always wanted it. I I like cars, right? So I've always wanted a Tesla and since 2012, they came out, but obviously, you know, I'm not going to put my family in debt to drive a Tesla. I'm not going to, you know, spend all our savings and make that my focus like that. That's, that's selfish. That's not right. You know? And so, um, and so, this last year, which was a really hard year for us, which, by the way, I don't know if you noticed or I told you, but I don't have the brace anymore, you know? and um, so, God is good, you know, I'm healing, and I will be jumping soon again, amen, Long Beach, I mean, long jump on the beach, right, uh, at Long Beach, why not, you know, <laughs> anyways, so, so last year was a hard, really, really hard year, you know, I tell people that year of the accident was the, the, the worst year of my life, okay. And it will not repeat, and 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 that's going to be the worst year of my life because I'm never going to have a worse one, you know, as by the grace of God, you know, <laughs> that's it. And so that year, um, when you think we would have, you know, gone into you know uh, a hardship or or a really difficult time, that the Lord actually told us to to sow a vehicle, and we were, we were thinking of, of uh, having a different vehicle, and I thought I could sell it for $18,000, or we can sow a seed, and both me and my wife felt like the same thing, like we're in agreement, this is a seed, it's a great seed, you know, so we sowed, we sowed our vehicle, and um, and I tell you this, because there, seed time harvest never stops, and it's even, I believe it's even more powerful in time of recession, because it's easier to give and sow when, when you're doing good. Right, but when things are getting tough in the world, is your, you know, you still believe enough to continue to giving or even give more extravagantly? Again, I've I've never forced or manipulated people, and I never will, you know, into giving something their heart isn't ready for. So I'm just sharing with you my thoughts, okay? And so, anyways, um, that produced a harvest, and uh, the Lord gave us three new vehicles. Um, three new vehicles and two businesses actually. And so in that short amount of time, and let me tell you something, they've been easy. They haven't taken my sleep. They haven't caused me anxiety. They didn't put me into debt. And I believe that seed will continue to go and, and continue to, you know, bring harvest our way. And so the Lord gave, gave us a business. You know, I, I was like, okay, God, uh, you know. I'm getting a new vehicle, but, you know, getting a Tesla is a little much, like, so I could afford it. But then, you know, that's a liability. And, and so the Lord gave me an idea. I didn't invent this. I just tapped into something that already existed, right? And I figured, you know, if I, um, if I rent my car out for a few days a month, it'll pay for itself. And then I thought, well, what will I do without a car for 7, 10 days a month, you know? And so, um, so I thought, well, I'll just buy two. You know, and so I bought two cars, I bought two Teslas, you know, and don't be mad at me, you know, it's like, and, they, and they're and they paid for, like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't cost me anything extra months, like, they just, they're paying for themselves, and, and it's, it's, but it was a God idea, right, and it came out of a, after a seed, right, and I believe it'll continue to yield fruit and harvest in our lives, and so God wants to give us the ideas, you know, maybe it's cars, or maybe it's real estate, or maybe it's a product, or maybe it's a service, or maybe it's it's something, but God has these ideas, and so in a time of recession, yes, we, we change our mindset, we're going to thrive, right, but then I also have to position myself and be meek with my finances so that I'm not being wasteful or, you know, and be ready because blessed are the meek and they'll inherit the land. So I want to position myself, but then I also need to pay attention and spend time with God, the one that has the mysteries and the solutions of heaven for the problems of earth and say, God, will you trust me with heaven solutions for earthly problems so that I can be part of the solution, so I can be part of the wealth transfer, so I can be, you know, a light into this world. And so now is the time, you know, mindset, on your marks, and go. Lord, what are the instructions that you have for me, you know, in this time? What are the instructions? What are the ideas, you know, that you have for me? Because he wants to bless you, and he wants to trust you with those